I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back alongside his soulmate, Dwight York in the Manchester United attack this evening. They played brilliantly here for Manchester United against Barcelona. Hello everybody and welcome to the Football Rambles Guide 2. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushina Hunter-Raja. The defining period of Sir Alex Ferguson's 27-year reign as Manchester United manager may actually only have lasted for about three minutes. It's come for Dwight York. That's how long it took Teddy Sheringham and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to turn certain defeats into immortal victory in the 1999 Champions League final over Bayern Munich in Ferguson's personal realm, added time. Success at the Nou Camp completed a treble of Premier League, FA Cup and Champions League victories that is still yet to be repeated and cemented Ferguson's place among the greats. It may have been a dramatic smash and grab, but it was years in the making and featured meticulous planning, clever adaptation and exceptional management from Ferguson. Nobody will ever win a European Cup final more dramatically than this. We're going to look back on what Clive Tilsley would repeatedly call that magical night in Barcelona, featuring David Beckham in central midfield. And what we believe is his preferred role, the heart of the midfield. Ryan Giggs on the wrong flank and David May. It's the Football Rambles guide to the 1999 Champions League final. Manchester United are the champions of Europe again. 
gentlemen, this Friday will mark 10 years since Sir Alex Ferguson's last game in charge of Manchester United. That five-all draw with West Bromwich Albion on the 19th of May 2013. But we thought we would mark the occasion talking about a different game. The 1999 <laughs> Champions League. A better one. So, possibly not a better game, but a more important game. A more important game. Yeah. A more important game. Do you remember where you were, what you did, etc., etc., after Manchester United won this game, Vish? Uh, so I was 13. I was very excited and I went to bed. It was the kind of, it was the kind of thing where uh, you know the more I think back on it, I'm like. Did you have a little main light shirt on? I did, yeah. Thankful um, it didn't go to extra time because at that age, you know. Oof. Yeah, I'd be livid if my dad sent me to bed at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in hindsight, it was one of those moments where I think, good God, how much would I cry? So I should go a bit mad right now if I witnessed mm. something like that. You know, to see a team you love go and well just pull something out of the bag like that and just sure because the... truthfully they're quite bad now aren't they Man United, yeah so. there's the, well, that's part of it yeah. Don't keep bringing that up yeah. I did the David Moyes guy to the other week and, like, this is my <laughs> yeah. this is my it's dessert yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah no I went straight to bed and was incredibly excited thinking this is a lot of fun mm. what, you, what usually used to happen when you went to bed really excited when you were 30 yeah, alright that'll do <laughs> Luke what about you <laughs> I was 18. Yeah, oh, yeah. So a touch older. In the pub, weren't you? I wasn't with Vish. Yeah. <laughs> that absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the get pub. Get him to bed. I watched, it, I watched it at home because I was very earnest about football then. And I took it very seriously. Mm. And I wouldn't. Then. And even even yeah, even yeah, <laughs> now, I don't really like watching big games in the pub. No. I just don't really think you can watch them properly. I'm, I'm, I'm someone who, for all my many faults, I'm genuinely a football fan, not just someone who thinks, oh, football's cool, so I'll like it. Mm. Uh, and that's what the pub's full of, it seems to be, in those big occasions. How have you used that question to have um, a go at so many yeah, different people? I was about to say, like, <laughs> it's a skill that's been honed over several years. <laughs> right. um, so I watched it at home, um, on my own, mm. um, on just on the telly. Okay. Well, I'm sure everyone down the pub was glad they were, that you they were delighted. Oh, misery got us more yeah. at home, thank goodness L- for that. A lot of Bayern Munich fans in my yeah, local right, pub okay. like, well, it could be worse, at least Luke's not here. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Yeah. My, how about uh, you? How about you, Mark? I, I watched it at home and I can remember when those the first goal came in, when the second one went in, I just didn't know what to do with myself. Mm. I was, it was just, it was made. Even though you had no skin in the game. Well, it, but that's the funny thing is that back in these days, I, now look, I, I'm speaking from someone who was going to school in Surrey, so there was a mm. few Man United fans. But even those people who supported team, you know, other clubs and whatnot, it might not be as partisan. Of course, it is with school. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. Obviously, people still support their teams um, very, very fervently. But what I'm about to say is, if I'm honest with you, when I went to school the next day, there was an element of Manchester United were representing England. Yeah. yeah. There was another, and, 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 I think people, people, especially if you're in the Manchester area and you're, and you're, or you're a Man City fan, or perhaps if you're in Liverpool or something, you might find that just ridiculous. But genuinely, it, it was. Uh, there was a slight feeling of that, um, and I think back in those days, before internet, before the Champions League became a much more, you could argue, bloated competition, or, or a much more, or a bigger competition. You didn't have it as much on TV. Uh, and and it was you know it was on IT. It was incredibly exciting. And Manchester United, you know, back in those days, maybe not by then, but but 
certainly around in the 90s, you know, it was just the champions of, of each well, league. No, the, well, no, the only other England team was, English team was Arsenal. We got knocked out in the group stage that year. Right, so OK, so they had changed it by then. Yeah, well, do you, no, do you remember um, going into this game, the whole comment was, uh, well, the, you know, this is the Champions League final between two teams who finished tw- uh, finished second. Oh, that's right. Before, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, 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 I think yeah, that might have been right. the first time that had happened. Mm. Yeah. So so, so it was it a was very different, uh, uh, you know, context uh, because, again, you know, you've usually got four English sides in the Champions League, it, 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 football just happens all the time, everywhere nowadays. Mm. So it was, it was a very, very special thing. And to see an English team in the final of that tournament was the first time I'd witnessed that. Mm. You'd have to go back to probably Liverpool, would you, uh, in the eighties um, for, for, for that kind of thing. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a monumentous occasion, and it had been building. Ferguson had quite a special relationship, if you like, with, with European football ever since he snuck into Hampden Park as a young boy to watch Real Madrid beat. Eintracht Frankfurt, 7-3 in the 1965. Yeah. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, and, and also, you say he had a very special relationship with the European football, and I think up until this point, the relationship he had with it was that he had obviously had some success elsewhere in the past, but he understood that for him to reach the apotheosis of what he was trying to do with Manchester United, yeah. despite all the success they had domestically and despite how dominant they were throughout the 90s, they needed to make an impact on the mm. European Cup, on the Champions League. And, and he speaks about that a lot in his first autobiography. Yeah. And when I refer to his autobiography in this episode today, I'm going to be talking about the first one, which is actually very interesting with Hugh McElvenny. I'm not going to be talking about the follow-up one, which is fucking trash. <laughs> which is so, <laughs> where he slags off all his players and angered Roy Keane. People need to know the first one is the one to, to, to read. And that goes up to, I think, 2000. So it actually culminates in, um, I think it might even weirdly culminate of Peter Michael leaving. After well, this was his last final. game. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. so, um, I think the, the idea of destiny, the idea of Ferguson knowing that the, the, the standards at that point were so much higher in his opinion mm-hmm. and to be fully taken on board and truly accepted as a great, mm. as a manager and, and as Man United being a great team in this era, they had to win the Champions League and that's why it was so important. Yeah, Ferguson, I mean, he was obviously a remarkable manager, a man, you know, one of the best for some people would be the best in the history of the game. I think to say the best is... is it's not tough. possible. It's tough, yeah. It's tough. So, so one of the best, and I think if you're you're in that conversation, you you've done very, 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 very well. Um, but he always had such a huge vision. I mean, he won. So the European stuff that you, you perhaps alluded to was when he won the Cup Winners' Cup with Aberdeen, mm-hmm. which um, you know a, a great achievement, beating a huge side in the final. So he always had that, and it, he, you know he we know that in in the late eighties, you know he he brought Manchester United to sort of a fairly sort of averagey sort of type period in their history and brought them into what we know now as, as Manchester United or what we knew then. And he was he was dominating domestically, but it was about that European thing. And and every year they would compete and then they'd get a little bit further and they'd come up against Juventus or Borussia Dortmund and they'd be beaten and perhaps show a little bit of maybe naivety. But he would he would say that. He would say what the biggest difference between domestic football and European football at the top level is concentration. Yeah. You know, that the players need to learn how to get become far more concentrated mm-hmm. and far more focused in these big games. I don't know if that came across to you, Vish, as a, as a, as a Man United fan in that era, but like it felt like there was a bit of a, not a chasm, but a definite uh-huh. gap between Man United knocking teams. They weren't knocking teams over every week at home because obviously Arsenal had a bit of a say in it, but ultimately they were the dominant team in the Premier League and it was, it was, there was something inevitable about, about them at the time, wasn't there? Yeah, well, it was really, what I found really interesting um, watching United during that period was how... I, I don't know, you know, how how would how you do this, but 
basically if you took away the opposition um, and you just had United's patterns of play, you could tell whether they were playing in the league or whether they were playing yes. in Europe. Good observation. And there was um, there was there was a level of control in the Euro- in Europe that they assumed, I suppose, where we're just a lot better at retaining the ball, and then we were able to play to the rhythms of the Premier League, which worked well. So obviously United are very good in transitions, and uh, you know it's one of those things that's quite interesting because. A lot of people talk about this Manchester United way as if like they were the first team to counterattack. They just happened to be better at it than anyone <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. But they didn't play like that in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. There was a, everything was a lot more intricate. And I, th- I think with this with this particular squad of players, it was perfect by the end of it. I know we're going to talk on you know those the last game of the season against Spurs, the FA Cup final against Newcastle, and this game against Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. But I remember even at thirteen knowing that we'd had to rotate players and knowing the right matchup of, for example, which of the two you know strikers would dovetail well in certain situations, which would, um, obviously it was an issue for the Champions League final, but like, you know, which midfielders go well together, what yep. Blomkis does that can make him an adequate substitute for gigs and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it was so clear because we'd seen it play out over the whole season. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a great, um, there's a great nugget about like, if you look at United's, Best eleven mm-hmm. from that squad. They only play together once in the league. Yeah, hmm. and that and that shows you again Ferguson's genius because squad rotation was not a thing that that British football did. In fact, people found it very they were mistrusting of it. They were mistrusting. Very mistrusting. Yeah. Why wouldn't you play your best team every week? Well, exactly. was it was it Viali or Ranieri who sort of very overtly did it at Chelsea? Chelsea were the first team to properly. But it was it was named, if you like, yeah, uh, at, at, at Chelsea. But you're right, Ferguson actually was was kind of because it was Ferguson. Nobody really sort of questioned it. But they had four quality centre forwards. But it wasn't just the centre forwards. We saw it with Nicky Butt. Nicky Butt doesn't make the squad for the FA Cup final. Yeah. Because Ferguson, he's, he's played a load of games that season, mm. but he's an important player for them. And um, if you look what actually transpired, um, he would have been ideal yeah. in that in that um, FA Cup final because Keane went off injured very early yeah. on. Yeah. And he's not even in the squad because yeah. he's saving him for the Champions League final. I mean, that's brave. That's confident management. That. Ferguson's man management, you just you can't understand. You know, he would often say to players... I've got you down for twenty-five games this season. All mm. this kind of stuff, you know, which is which is which is mad. And 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 I can't remember who it was, whether it was maybe Nicky Butt. It was when he said the pitch was too good for you, Nicky. That's right. Yeah, you'll get, you'll come into your own later in the he season. Said, no, 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 no. FA Cup final's not for you, son. Yeah, I've got something. I've got something better. Yeah, and you'd kind of go, he's not playing me in the cup final. <laughs> But he's made me feel like there's something better. Now, with that example, of course, there was because yeah. they needed him for the Champions League final because obviously Skulls and... It's like when Finn doesn't King... put me in a ramble react. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need me in there. No, I'm saving you, son. Saving you for the preview show. <laughs> um, yeah, but his man management to keep all these players happy, Sheringham, Solskjaer, Andy Cole and Dwight York. Yeah. There's two positions up for grab because it was a 4-4-2 yeah. they played. God bless it. Um, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> And to keep all four of them happy... Even well, though Cole and Cole and Cherry obviously would fall out, but I mean, that's their sort of business. But to keep them all in, invested and playing and getting tunes out of all of them in specific moments, as of course would be the case in this game, amazing man management. So yes, Manchester United in the in the Champions League, 
that season. It was it was quite incredible, really. I mean, I can remember them in the group phase scoring freely. I mean, it, in six games they scored twenty goals. The funny thing is, is they only won two games yeah. in yeah. that group. And it, without both Bayern Munich in their group, didn't they? Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Mm. Um, and the, those two games were against Bromby. Poor old Bromby. Poor old Bromby. Yeah. Who managed to get a win? Yeah. Um, but but the games that they played, the two three alls against Barcelona, it was it was so entertaining. Yeah, and you realised that ah, I think they've cracked it. And then, and then, as they go on, of course, they beat Inter two nil at home. They 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 do away with them, and then that semi final against Juventus, the big side, they get through that, and then it's Bayern in the final, a team who they played twice before, and it just felt like for me, this is all geared up for a Manchester United win. And Ferguson was meticulous with his preparation for cup finals. Andy Cole said the mood was almost like the preparation for a third round milk cup tie at the third division, some third division. Yeah, so, so Ferguson speaks quite eloquently about this. He talks about how he went the extra mile to make sure that everyone that was normally there for a normal, say, home game mm-hmm. would be there for this game. So yeah. even, say, sometimes, for example, not both the kit men would travel away because they didn't need to. Yeah. But in this case, they did. Like the chef goes out there. I know it sounds pretty straightforward now because they travel with such an entourage these days. But back then, he was basically trying to make it as normal as possible. Yeah. Because I think he was so conscious of the idea that a lot of nervous energy is expended mm. in the in the build-up and that can be tough, particularly if, you, if it's going to be a tough old game and you need to prepare for extra time or whatever. He wanted to make it as normalised as possible for them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's obviously a sensible thing to do. Interestingly enough, um, when I did the Ramble Meets with Jonathan Greening, uh, who was in the squad for this game, didn't mm. come off the bench, but was a young player then, he said that um, to relax Jonathan Greening... Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson offered to play him a game, a game of one frame of snooker yeah. in the day or two before they travelled, <laughs> and said, "If you beat me, mm. I'll put you on the bench." Because he knew he had so many injuries. Yeah, and uh, Ferguson smashed him apparently and said, "Don't listen, now. I've got a table at home. I've got my own table at home." Uh, so don't don't beat yourself up about it, <laughs> and then put him on the bench anyway. I thought you were going to yeah. say, if you beat me, you can make one substitution, not yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Roy Keane, as we mentioned, was 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 banned for the final because of his of his yellow card against Juventus, um, and Ferguson was aware of Roy Keane and the type of character he was. You know, Keane said, you know, he he feels like he hasn't won a Champions League. He's like, I didn't play in the final, you know, whatever. Um, because Keane, um, Ferguson knew Keane very, very well, he asked Manchester United's head of security, the wonderfully named Ned Kelly, Ned um, Kelly, <laughs> and asked him to keep an eye on Keane, uh, and and you know make sure he he doesn't do anything too crazy or or maybe even disrupt what was was going on. Didn't before. he just distract him? Him and him and Skulls and a couple of the the, the family members and yeah. a couple of people who weren't ever going to feature. Didn't Ned Kelly just basically take him out on the piss? Yeah, well, I, well, well they, I don't just, think he did. I think he had to stay up with them until 4 a.m. drinking. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great prep. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's, I mean, that in itself is brilliant in its own way. Isn't yeah. It? Because, you know, have, having to manage a player outside of your squad, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a slight on, on Keane because the way he pulled United through that Juventus semi-final was the second leg was remarkable, really. Still one of the my favourite performances from... A United player, um, but it was fascinating that for for all, for all the water that's passed under the bridge in terms of the relationship between Keane and Ferguson, mm. the thing Keane never truly acknowledges, and I suppose it's, it's understandably why, understandable why he doesn't acknowledge, is how much Ferguson managed him. I suppose, yeah. and and what he did, and with all due respect to Keane, and and absolutely a team player, to be on the cusp of the biggest night in that club in the club's history at that mm, point yeah. and 
be able to play no play no part in it whatsoever mm-hmm. would have been enough, I think, for him to sour quite openly. Yeah. And therefore, you're in a situation there where you're like, right, the guy who was our totem last week yeah. is now potentially like you know shaking at the foundations of yeah. of this thing, you know, ahead of this huge game. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. And 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 Skulls as well, of course, who not the most upbeat of characters as mm. well. You know, if if you've got two of them and, and the heartbeat of that side. The thing is with that four four two they played, there's there's almost like little double acts everywhere. Yeah. And that system yeah. lends itself to that. And those two in the centre of that brilliant midfield with Giggs on the left, Keen Skulls in the centre and Beckham on the right. And they weren't there. Mm. Um but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so in the in the build up to that game, in eleven days they win three trophies, sixteenth of May. Um, they beat Spurs at Old Trafford to win the league by a point. 22nd away, they beat Newcastle, of course, in the, in the FA Cup final. Interestingly, David May, um, who did play a bit more for Man United that season, I think people can be a bit harsher on him sometimes. Um, he, he said to Paul Scholes at halftime in the FA Cup final, I'm not even tired, I can't believe this is a cup final. Mm. That's how well Ferguson has has judged it yeah, all. You've, you've played seven games. So. <laughs> well. <laughs> so, I mean, you've played, you've made nine appearances in total to seven starts. If, you, if you're free and tired at that point... <laughs> Uh, you probably should be looking for something else to do. True enough. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble.
Marcus, Luke and Vish will be back to discuss that 1999 Champions League final. But first, it's time for another bonus edition of Betfair's Popular Bet Builder. Select from the most popular pre-made football bet builders using Betfair's handy app and you can add them to your bet slip in just one tap. We're going to have a crack at the other Champions League semi-final tonight. Manchester City versus Real Madrid. Pick number one, Kevin De Bruyne to assist at any time. He's been Man City's most dependable player on the biggest stages, not least in the first leg. And with Erling Haaland... Uh, throwing himself at his crosses there's always a good chance of an assist from Big Kev uh, number two uh, Karen Benzema to score at any time I mean he's dependable he's a monster in the latter stages of the Champions League so let's go for him uh, pick number three a draw at half time uh, the justification being with the first two picks in mind it'll probably be neck and neck at half time however pick number four Manchester City to qualify including via extra time or penalties uh, we think that they'll finally shake off the goal of last season's defeat to Real Madrid and do it. The second leg is at home and the form that Man City are in uh, at the moment is incredible. So that's Kevin De Bruyne to uh, assist at any time, Karen Benzema to score at any time, uh, draw at half-time and Manchester City to qualify, including uh, via extra time or penalties. A £5 bet with Betfair on that popular bet builder returns £146.85 pence and if we win, all that money will go to Prostate Cancer UK, exclusive to Betfair Sportsbook. T's and C's apply, 18 plus only for more information on responsible gambling, get yourself to be gambleaware.org. So, yes, we get to the 26th of May and uh, Manchester United, it was their 63rd game of the season. Mm. 63rd. And of course, uh, they had their injuries. I know Bayern were missing one or two players, but it was a slightly makeshift side. You know, Beckham came into the centre of midfield. He had played centre midfield before. But yeah, Ferguson that... said Ferguson said that Beckham would constantly say yeah. that centre midfield was his favourite position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't think that was a huge thing. But of course, in that side, the way he would whip the ball in and, and yeah. so on, that was where he played. Uh, Giggs was on the right side. It was a little bit disjointed. Mm. Um, and you could see that when you played because back in those days, of course, an inverted winger was just, well, we, we don't do that. How on earth is he going to cross the ball with his other foot if he's on the well, right but, side or the left it side? It kind of makes more sense than you'd think. It's a bit of a no-brainer to play gigs on the right for a couple of reasons. One, because it means you can play Blomqvist who's a more attacking player, but also because um, Bayern Munich were without Bichente Lizarazu. Yeah. And um, uh, Michael Tarnat wasn't as good a, um, a player as him and he wasn't as quick either no. so it actually is a perfect matchup really because Giggs can also cut in and do all the stuff he normally does because Giggs is really a generationally good player it was all set up for Manchester United victory and then of course they go behind after six minutes when Marabaza scores the free kick I can't believe you've jumped over the most the most entertaining thing of the whole game go on uh, Montserrat Cabal doing Barcelona in the opening ceremony oh, true enough a little tribute to Freddie yeah come on alright forgive you've me you've got to acknowledge that forgive me it's okay thank you alright <laughs> Accept my apology, damn you. Um, so, yes, that was great. So, again, but I think that that's the thing is that Barcelona, it's just this wonderful city. And again, that Such stadium, a beautiful horizon, you may say. I would say. I would very much follow in the footsteps of those who have said that before. Um, and after six minutes, yeah, buy and score. And it did feel like, oh, that's not the script, despite Manchester United often coming back. Yeah. And then I remember Tilsley on commentary going, oh, deflected and in. Because you thought, well, the, the mighty Peter Schmarck was not going to be beaten like that, but he wasn't deflected. No. It, it was yeah. a sucker punch, mm. which nearly won the game. I think he, even now I watch it, and I, I, I have felt this when I watched it at the time, I was really confused, but partly because of the camera angle, that uh-huh. Schmarck seems like he's in the middle of the wall Yeah, when they take one shot from behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Gary, Gary Neville said that Ferguson's team shape didn't work well, and I think that's fair to say, because after that goal, Manchester United 
they just they just didn't look the same. I, so, so it, I, I mean, my take on this is slightly different to your guys. I think. Yeah. I think that it's it. People have a tendency to backfill the narrative, mm-hmm. and people think that you know. Bayern Munich sucker punch United early, which I think I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then United kind of counter punched them in the last minute and sucker punched them back. And, and it's kind of, that's what the game's known for. That's the narrative. Yeah. I actually thought that the game was pretty even. Like I remember at the time thinking it was quite even. <clears throat> I watched it back and, and, and thought, thought the same. And I thought one thing that I actually came away from watching it again was quite a, quite a kind of obvious lack of ambition from Bayern Munich in a way that now I know they hit the crossbar I think twice yeah. but that's when United post, are really pushing post and bar. that's right and that's when United are really pushing so I don't mean that because I think we see that happen in most knockout games those, those were both in United um, so the Yanker one off the bar oh yeah I think United have like three or four opportunities to clear that and are just in panic mode because yeah. they just need to get it up the other exactly. way exactly so, so yeah. I wouldn't say that's indicative and what I would say is that in a weird way scoring so early kind of hurt Bayern Munich as well because they're a really good team they're really good players and if you look at the central midfield uh, uh, issue that you've mentioned with Keane mm-hmm. and Scholes I don't think you can sit there and say Effenberg had a good game no. I, I, don't, I don't think I, he didn't really stamp his authority on it that is interesting I've, I've never you know what I've never looked at it from their point of view to be honest with you but, but when you say that there's an element of dare I say it like England in that isn't there I think so. maybe we scored a bit earlier. I actually think it's really interesting if you look at Franz Beckenbauer's comments, who was thinking he's the president of Bayern Munich then, mm. and he says that, um, or I can't exactly remember the exact quote, but he says he was disappointed with how Bayern Munich approached it and how they didn't kind of force their yeah, yeah. Um, their their force their superiority home with the go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean it's difficult. I, I, yeah, it, as a fish says, I didn't really think I, about it like that. It, but but it was a classic final in that the two semi-finals, you know. Manchester United win 3-2 mm. um, in Turin you know very entertaining game um, and uh, Bayern Munich drew three all in Kiev with Dynamo Kiev that wonderful side with Shevchenko and Rebrov mm. up front mm. you know, very entertaining um, so and then you get to the final having seen a few goals in the semi-final and then it's like oh everyone seizes up and let's just get over the line so you're right to say that they scored yeah. early but yeah. I actually watching the game but I mean it was a long time ago I just I remember thinking Manchester United can't get through and, and if you're a Bayern Munich player they were quite disjointed weren't they yeah I think if you're a Bayern Munich player you, you, yeah it, it would be disappointing to not go and press home that advantage but you also might think well actually we're keeping them at arm's length Manchester United hardly created anything of note really um, and and even after Ferguson's halftime team talk they, they didn't cut in the second half you thought right where's the reaction I mean Ferguson said at halftime if you lose you'll be six feet away from the European Cup but you won't be able to touch it. And I want you to think about that fact. that You'll have been so close to it. And for many of you, it will, it will be the closest you ever get. And you will hate that thought for the rest of your mm. lives. You hear those words. But again, in the second half, it didn't really pr- prompt sort of but, huge but I reaction. Think, I think that feeds into what I'm saying. Because I'll tell you why. Because Bayern Munich made it really tough for United. And that was like their MO. Yeah, so, so there you so, go. So and they nearly got over the line. But, but how often have you seen amazing, great teams come up against a, a really solid team and not better... F- f- not be able to create chances in the way they normally do because there's no space. Mm. Like you, you, Bayern Munich didn't attack at all through uh, Effenberg, uh-huh. who was a really dynamic midfield player. They didn't have Liz Razzi, yeah, but they was, didn't have Elbear up front as well, who's one of their. That's also big that's goal also so, so they're one 0 up and they're looking very very comfortable. But was Elbear a real creator of his own chances or was he a goal scorer? Well, not necessarily. But if you're one of your key players is not up top, you're one 0 up. They're creating nothing. Of course, there's a temptation to go, lads, let's sit in here because if we commit... And then they, they have a chance off the post and they think, ah, the back door is left open. I understand from a Bayern Munich point of view, it's disappointing, but I, I actually, I, I don't think that I would 
say, oh, well, you know, they were piss poor in this final. I think that they no, were... I'm not saying they were. I'm just saying they didn't show any ambition. And I think, I think, I personally believe, and we'll never know. Look, we'll never know. And maybe it would be different if Lizarazu was there because he was a prototype kind of attacking fullback, right, who had an amazing career and he wasn't there. But I think if, if United have Keane and Skulls in there, they'll walk this game. Ah, but you can't say that. I, then, I just, it's my opinion. Yeah, but Bayern then set up differently. It's a whole different feeling. It's very, very difficult to start saying that. Well, um, the, the thing you talk about, um, maybe, well, I suppose it's more Luke's point about a lack of ambition from Bayern Munich was the last 15 minutes. Yeah. And, I, you know, let's forget about the goals. Let's talk about, you know, from 75 minutes onwards when Bayern Munich make those changes, taking off their wide men, and bringing on um, what uh, Mehmet Scholl and uh, Sally Hamzic yeah. to go narrower, uh-huh. and so Ferguson think Ferguson. So, so Ferg- Sally comes on much later. They bring on um, Torsten Fink. Okay, uh, right. before him, and Mehmet but they're, pl- they're that, plugging yeah. up the middle, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Because they've seen Giggs is not doing much. They don't have Beckham's crossing ability. I remember once Beckham actually tries to go out wide and cross one in. He's like trying to do yeah. what he wants, but yeah. he's not having it, and they pick up on that. So. Ferguson had noted that that's how Bayern Munich see out games. Yeah. And so when he throw when he decides to go through up top there, when mm-hmm. he takes Cole off uh, Solskjaer, brings on Sheringham. Sheringham first. L- yeah, but, Sheringham but leaves York, fist, yeah. yeah, but leaves leaves York up there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason he does that is because they st- they do what he thinks they're going to do. Yeah. And therefore he's like, right, we can just we'll just chuck another essentially another striker up. There. Sure. Well, that's and also, I mean, great. I mean, the, the the reaction of those Bayern fans, the way they were celebrating and yeah. the chance and so on. I mean, Sheringham said, didn't he? He was sat on the bench and he was fuming, looking at them going, he was like, put me on, get me yeah. you know? And Solskjaer said that he was angry that uh, Sheringham got on first. <laughs> the fire in their guts to get out but, there but, and but, make but, a difference. The other, thing that, the other thing around the strikers issue and towards the end of the game is that Ferguson um, also says he, he sees how nervous Dwight York is on the day of the final mm. and he almost doesn't play it. Yeah, that's he thinks, fascinating. He's not sure if he can handle the situation. He, he also says that... Um, that um, Kafur and Linker were much better than they thought they thought they would be at yeah. keeping um, York and Cole quiet and partly that was because York was nervous and didn't really handle mm. the game that well uh, which is, again this is why Ferguson's first book so good because he's just fucking the whole back yeah. um, and then if you go to the first goal the equalising goal yeah. um, which was it was kind of it was a really interesting goal to, to witness in the aftermath of it because you can see Steve McLaren trying to get Ferguson to make all these changes That's they'd right. obviously worked on. Yeah. Yeah. And Ferguson's refusing to do it. And the reason he, he said he refuses to do it is because mm. he said uh, the biggest indicator of hit for him of why he was so confident May United were going to go on to win is because he said he had never seen a set of players in all his years of management in terms of the Bayern players, react yeah. to an equaliser like that. He said that yeah. he felt like they yeah, were, yeah. That he looked like, that, he said, the quote he uses is, they all looked like they were staggering away from a plane crash. Yeah. He said there was no, there was no way that they could, they could come back from that. That's right. It was, it was almost like criminal how badly they dealt with it. Yeah. And he said he knew after that. But it's obviously, he's writing after the event, so yeah. it's easy yeah. to go back yeah, but, 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 but it does. Even, even, even in the moment, though, McLaren tells him to go back for a 4 4 2 to prepare for extra time. And basically. Ferguson tells him to sit down. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it, yeah. Because he wants to prepare for extra time because that's his job. He's, yeah. not, he's not the coach. Well, indeed. But, coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, we should say as well, McLaren's doing, absolutely doing his job there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, well and good to like say nothing. But in that moment, to be like, look, I think we should do this. But that goes into the point about Bayern Munich being so overconfident. You bring on the players. Ah, yeah, we see this out. And again, you can't stress enough. I remember watching on the TV, those Bayern fans are creating an atmosphere of we're we're two or three up 
and it's the last minute of injury time and we're already celebrating. Yeah. You know when you see the players sometimes like, oh, I just want to go on the pitch and grab the trophy. That was what the vibe was like. Lothar Mateus goes off, one of their big players at, mm. at the time, and blah, 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 blah. Um, and yeah. So Schmeichel goes up for the corner yes. in the 91st minute. It falls to, it causes a bit of chaos. It falls to Giggs, crucially on Giggs' right foot. Yes. Yeah. His shot is poor because it's like a little snapshot with his right yeah. foot. And Sheringham's there to, tap, to, to nudge it in, basically. And it looked offside. Did. Yeah. Every, did. And he even looks round, doesn't he? Yeah, and Sheringham yeah. scored a very late one against Juventus in that semi-final tie, mm. uh, which was which was a crucial one. And he scored some crucial goals. You know, he scored in the FA Cup final. Didn't score a lot of goals that season, but no. uh, but that wasn't strictly what he was there for. Indeed. Yeah. But when when Sheringham and Sheringham was a great impact sub for England and for for club as well. He was a marvelous player to bring on, and he scores, and it was just like, oh my goodness. And and of course the commentary before that, Clive Tilsley. Surely Manchester United will score. They, they always, always score. score. Exactly. And Rob Smythe did the maths for this. Manchester United played 2,580 minutes of football across 28 games from that Liverpool turnaround in the third round of the FA Cup. Yeah. If you remember, they were 1-0 down and they put in, in, and scored um, a couple of late goals. So from then, right, 2,580 minutes of football for only 318 minutes that they have a cushion of more than one goal. Yeah. That, the jeopardy in all those games. Yeah, they games. won all that stuff. It's, it's yeah. you know, absolutely incredible. It's a different kind of dominance. It's almost like a psychological dominance rather yeah. than a kind of goal Well, they go 1-0 down to Spurs on the final day of the season. Yeah. Now, I know Spurs, obviously, Arsenal going for the league and Spurs aren't playing for much, but you've still got to bring it around. You can't yeah. show any nervousness. Mm. Um, and then, of course, so they score the goal and it's kind of like lift off. Here we go. We're back. There they are. I think that was it. There they are, is yeah. what I thought. And then, of course, up the other end, I can't remember off the top of my head now, my mind's going crazy. They get another corner and you sort of think... Nah, really? <laughs> yeah. But there was that kind of, oh, hello, Beckham's delivery and Solskjaer has won it. Mm. Yeah, It is one of the most incredible moments I've ever seen watching football. Yeah, Because again, the age I am, the context of mm. all that sort of stuff, and it goes in. Well, and, <sighs> and, it, and it feeds back into the whole... It still whole, gets me now, that. It still feeds back into the whole Ferguson take on the Bayern Munich reaction. Mm. Because May United win a corner... Like 25 seconds after Bayern Munich have kicked off. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason. Yeah, what yeah, Bayern yeah. Munich should have been... Keep it's, the e- damn thing. it's easy for me to say and you know, it's, it's, it's emotions and all the rest of it. But there's no real excuse for that, whatever the circumstance. If you're a professional team at like that level in a big final, you should be able to, to stop something like that happening. Even if you have to lump it yeah. um, and hold it up for 20 seconds where just calm down, relax, yeah. all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. And And... 25 seconds is an incredibly short amount of time mm. for a team in that environment, in that situation, to be winning another corner. Yeah, it's it was the first time in that match where it looked like Manchester United were going downhill, mm. and it was the You're very right. very end of the game. And it, it, yeah, and it, and it was a set, it was a scrappy one. But yeah. the, but the football they played up until the final again was just amazing to watch, and they dug themselves out of the hole in Turin when they went two 0 down early. Yeah. And I think when they did that myself included, thought that was the, the real trial and test that they came through. Well, well I also, th- I also think of it wouldn't be that um, beyond conceding an equaliser that late in a game of that importance, knowing that your opponent is of a certain standard anyway, I think by then Manchester United had created a reputation for themselves in Europe yeah. that right, this is a proper team here. Yeah. And for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for someone like Bayern Munich to be, uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, it's them. Oh, well, they, that, they are here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it obviously got in their head. I mean, again, I think that goes into how Bayern sort of played the game. And he said, to keep he, it Ferguson out. also said for the first time in his career, he spent a few minutes preparing himself to mm. be a gracious loser in defeat. And all yeah. the media commitments he'd have to do. And he said yeah. beforehand, because yeah. I think it meant so much to him. I think before, 
beforehand he would never do that because because it was like you know may not have never done till they're done yeah and he said here he was like he couldn't help himself to keep stopping himself preparing what he was going to say afterwards yeah um which obviously isn't ideal because you're supposed to be concentrating on the game and mm. how you can affect it mm. um but it, it wasn't marcus you're absolutely right it was an incredible moment it's a it's a moment that's kind of knitted into the very fabric of english football it's kind of hard to imagine football in this country without mm. it yeah the same way like you know don't get too high-minded about it but you, you know the ocean's always there, right? It's always there. Like, so you, if someone says to you, what's it like if there's no mountains in the world? You'd be like, that'd be fucking weird. Yeah. It's like this yeah, in yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, mm. is a, this is knitted into, the, as I say, knitted into the very fabric of what English football is. And Manchester United as well. And, and absolutely Manchester United, who were, whether we like it or not, and I don't really have a take on this, but in the 90s, Man United were the ambassador of English football in, That's what in I mean. Europe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Ferguson would like to say Europe had become a personal crusade. I knew I would never be judged a great manager until I won the European Cup, which is what you were touching on um, yeah. much earlier. And it's true. And I think for him, like he, re- you know, that, that interview and after the game, oh, football, bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even that. Yeah. Like, that's it. iconic. It is iconic. And again, for Ferguson, who was always in control of his, of his thought, I mean, not that he's out of control saying that, but you can see the occasion and the victory got to him. Mm. Whereas he would enjoy victories, but you could see that in his mind, yeah, this is great. Really enjoying this. And he's just thinking, Right, what's next? Yeah, how how are we going to do this next? Whereas this, I felt that he was just like, no, 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 we're off out tonight. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so he so said, that, he says, sorry, Fish. He says in, the, in his in his book, he says uh, the celebrations of that win will for everyone that was there will never really end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a beautiful yeah. thing to yeah. say. So ninety nine, um, I was thirteen, um, adored Manchester United, mm-hmm. and that was the that interview with ITV having seen him smile and cheer and lift trophies before that, that was the first time I ever looked at him and I knew he was happy. Yeah. 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 That's right. Because, you know, he always talks about, you know, when you win the league, it's always about the next one, this, that and the other. And, for, you know, the cha- unless you're Real Madrid, the current iteration of Real Madrid, it's not a thing of thinking about how do we defend this next year. No. To, to most normal teams. It's too. the apex. Yeah, it is the apex. And, yeah. To see him get there was like okay, good. But yeah. He's gonna, he is happy. Yeah. Do you think though that that about the celebrations never ending? Because again, the way they built in the nineties throughout the, the the European Cup and Champions League, and they get better and further and further, and then boom, they do it. Manchester United would only win one knockout game in the next seven seasons. Yeah. But that but that happens though, doesn't in this, it? In this I, I think like I understand the the nature of this sport, and certainly the nature of what we do in this sport is about essentially level towards performance a lot of the things we talk about a lot of the people we talk about it's based on performance yeah. but sometimes there comes a point where you get to the top mm. and the reason it's so hard to get to the top is yeah. because there's so little space very yeah. few teams throughout history yeah. bed in there um, and it's you know that stat is quite jarring but at the same time I, I kind of understand why it took a while for a new group of players yeah, to yeah. win it you know and also almost 10 years later the teams you're playing against I mean they got knocked out in the first knockout round by Real Madrid the following season, mm. Bayern Munich the season after that, and they came out again up against um, Leverkusen the year after that, and only lost very narrowly to them. Who then themselves they lost in away goals, I think, and then and themselves only just lost to Real Madrid in the yeah. final. So, you know, it's fine margins at that yeah. level. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? When you talk about Ferguson, will talk about how regret he's re- he regrets that he only won two Champions Leagues with Man United, ninety nine, two thousand eight, yeah. and and he would like to have won more. But then you're almost thinking, well, well, I think I think that, that, that comes from more being in finals, though, doesn't it? I think, it, well, I think there's yeah. that, 
But I think, but I mean, tr- trouble is, two of the finals he played were Guardiola's Barcelona. Yeah. That's the point, though. Yeah. That was yeah, my exactly. point. You're coming up against Real Madrid. Yeah. You're coming up against yeah. Guardiola's Barcelona. You're coming up against all these amazing teams. That's the whole point of but the I think, competition. I think there's just the fact that how many times they were in the competition. I think he's probably looking at, at the ratio. But uh, I, I think that's a touch harsh. You know, he, he, you know, he's won two for crying out loud. But again, if you think about it, it was only until relatively recently that a team defended the Champions League for the first time, which was, of course, Real Madrid, when they won three in a row exactly. under Zinedine Zidane. Plucky old Real Madrid. Plucky old Real Madrid. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's such a hard competition to win, you yeah. know? And I think if you want to sum up the drama of it, for people listening, you weren't old enough to remember it or whatever, um, a, there's a story, isn't there, um, possibly apocryphal, of the great George Best. That's there, right, that's there, right. Who's there as a guest of honour yeah. in the 99 final, wins it with May United in 1968, which is, of course, the last time they'd won it. I think even the only time they'd won it. And he's there as a guest of honour, and he's George Best, right? So he yeah. gets mobbed wherever he goes, LB to all the rest of it. Um, he leaves. He doesn't actually find out May United have won it, I think, until he gets to the airport yeah. and word passes around that... Um, <laughs> oh, wh- wh- where are you going? He's like, yeah. I'm going home. Well, no, fucking stay. Yeah, well, stay. Because so- he, 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 that's how <clears throat> that's how late it was. You talk about two goals in in, in injury time. That's in a, in a mass in the, in the mm. biggest game in club football of the season yeah. for two goals to happen in about ninety seconds to mm. win the yeah, trophy. Yeah, yeah. That's how late and how dramatic it was. Yep. Best had gone. He didn't even know. Well, you see, I've heard, I've heard a, a different version. <laughs> and this is how this... how's Bob's health. <laughs> how's this is this is. Uh... This is the version that I heard because I the, the best was you heard um, that he scored the winner. I did. Um, best is uh, he's on his way out of the stadium because he's probably sat up in the posh seats. Hmm. So he's you know he's he's making his way down and something. Oh no no they've scored. Really? Right. You better get back up there. By the time he's back up there, they've already won it. Huh. So that's okay. what I'd heard. Well, that's funny because the, you got a third version. There is a third version of that, and I think it is true. But it's the. Um, Whoever who I can't remember who it was, but whoever presented United with with the trophy uh-huh. was on the way down to prepare to do so for Bayern Munich. Ah, so that's they'd probably... equalised, came back up, and United had won it. There you go. So that's probably what I'm thinking. So part of the uh, so part of the myth. Yeah. So part of the great entertainment. My uh, my best mate was at the game, also a United fan, oh, and. By the time the celebrations had stopped for United's equaliser, they, they were up again. Already I again. have so, heard that, from and them. he said he was so confused that. Mm. The delirium just passed around, and that they just had no idea what happened. And he looked out onto the field, and there weren't any players there. No one was standing. All the United, where he was sat, all the United players were away into one corner. Yeah. All the Bayern Munich players were on the flat floor. on the floor. And he was like, "Where the fuck is everyone gone?" <laughs> yeah. He was like, genuinely, was like a spaceship came over and sucked everyone up and moved on. <laughs> there's that, there's that iconic uh, slow motion footage of Sammy Kafour banging the ground. Oh, that was that was hard to see. And it, it, what? And uh, you know, I watched it again preparing for this, and it's it's so hard watching someone go through that. Yeah. yeah. Even though, like, you know, your team, you know, somebody's support has been responsible for that, but. Just the anguish and anger. Wow. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Incredible night. It's, it, it, it lived long in the memory. Never be forgotten. Certainly no. not by Man United fans. It shouldn't really be forgotten in for any fan of football because it's such a huge moment, yeah. such a pivotal moment in them. Um, and, and these things um, are other things that burnish the reputation and the success of the Champions League. Over sometimes that's forgotten. I think you know the thing that makes a Champions League, for example, so successful, yeah, yeah. and perhaps even all the problems that come along with it, its dominance and its precedence and all the rest of it, they're built on moments like this. That's right. Yeah, the same way the Premier League is built on Gascoigne's tears, as they say. You know, when people start to realise actually, fucking hell, there's a lot of money to be made in this fucking game. Yeah. It's the same with this. It's something that 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 
as I said, stitches into the fabric of a, of a truly glorious competition that can only be a glorious competition because of these moments all put together. Absolutely right. Absolutely right, everybody. Well, there we are. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining us on another Football Ramble Guide too. Uh, remember, we want your ideas for what our next guide should be. Email us, sharpfootballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble with your suggestions. Eh? We should do more of these. These are fun. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do um do you want to do Man United um in their two finals against Barcelona? No, no. <laughs> we don't you know, I know we mentioned them before, we don't have to do Solskjaer's time at United either. <laughs> That's a good idea. Fine. If you could put that in an email. <laughs> Every... who, do you, who do you think emailed in this one? <laughs> <laughs> Football Ramble Guide Twos, eh? Bloody hell. There we are. See you for the next one. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.